Fire. Yeah. I wonder if this is like what rappers feel like. You know what I mean? Like or like I don't know, like celebrities when they just like go in and I feel like some interviewers are like just shitty interviewers and they're like, all right, why am I here? Why do I want to do this shit? Right. Versus like, there's like good interviewers where like, holy shit, like this is fucking sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I think we're at perfect levels here, man. Just keep talking at at the microphone like you're doing. Oh, we're good to go. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's really, you know, I've never wanted this to feel like to feel like that like an interview like uh, something you have on the schedule you know it's like yeah. we're just chilling like you I know, feel that bro it's a place to that. come like unload if you want promote stuff if you want like, that's sick yeah. that's sick nah definitely have like that rapper feeling <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna lie. like where's the beat Where, where's the beat real quick dude I'm not opposed to freestyles at Ooh, any given that's time fine. Yeah. that's fine alright just a little intro action you know Ramza Santiago. Yes, sir. Yes, What's sir. going on? How we What's doing, up, baby? I'm the Blue Coyote. Glad to be here, Blue Coyote. Yeah, man. Our call our call felt good. Yeah, what was it, like yesterday, two days ago? Oh, yeah. FaceTime. Yeah, man. Um, good conversation. Really well with, like, headspace and everything. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Kind of figured, like, which way you wanted to go about with this thing. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous since it's, like, my first podcast ever. Yeah. Like, uh, what am I going to say? How am I going to go about this? You know what I mean? But uh, I was actually talking with my brother right before. He was like, hey, are you going to write a script or anything? I was like, honestly, man, I think I'm just going to freestyle it. And whatever comes out, like, through my head or whatever ideas or all that stuff, I think it's it's just going to go well. You yeah, know? that's how we do it, man. The most I do is, you know, you can see here, like, bullet points, notes. I've um, got a notebook of references for myself, you know, when certain things come up. And those are things that you acquire along the way, you know, like things you have to learn as you're doing it. Um, but for you, man, so, you know, when we were on the phone uh, talking, you know, something that I definitely knew I was going to ask you about. If you just want to give us a little uh, background into how the entrepreneur um, career kind of unfolded for you. Uh, if you're traveling, you know, I've been referring to you as a world traveler, kind of how those things have uh supported you in your life or you know just how those things came to be so i think the entrepreneurial aspect is kind of where i want to start with because it leads back to my days in high school i was actually in a trade school for culinary arts you know i had this big dream i wanted to be like some michelin star chef own my own restaurant do all like the whole big like gordon ramsay thing and you know, it was in my junior year of high school, I was like, uh, the hell is this, man? Like, I don't ever want to do this for the rest of my life. First off, like, I feel like a slave working because, like, it's just endless hours of just, like, some crazy BS that you got to deal with. Like, you know, um, I started in the restaurant industry as, as like, a, as a cook, a line cook. You know, and the the work that you have to put in and, you know, the things that you have to deal with in that type of industry, it, it's just like for, I guess for a 17-year-old, 16, 18-year-old kid, just wasn't for me in a sense. Like, I could do the work, no problem, like, without any hesitation. It was just like, this is putting a lot of strain on my body and my mind, and this is something that's kind of diminishing my health. So why do I want to see this as a long-term goal? So around junior year of high school, I was like, 
I really want to get on this entrepreneurial thing. So I started reading up on people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, Warren Buffett, all of these big business heads that um, were prominent in, you know, making that or giving that sense of ideal to somebody like myself who, you know, came up from nothing, had a single mom raising three kids, you know, it gave that, the kids like myself, that ideal that, you know, even with something as small as like a candle or creating your own beer or even selling your own like product, it, it can bring you somewhere, you know, so around junior year of high school, like I mentioned, I was like, this is cooking thing ain't for me. This is not what I want to do. So, you know, it started off with reading about those people. Because you had the industry built around the cooking, because you love, right, like we talked about it, you still love today to get in the kitchen and cook, but it was everything surrounding that, that war on you. and that Certainly, you know. Kind of uh, took, them, home, took the spark out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was no, like, it was almost like, you know, getting into the industry kind of extinguished my passion for, yeah. for, 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 for that industry. In a sense, like, I'll still cook some fire food, you know, from our reference the other day, in a sense, because food is like culture. You know, you understand uh, the, the culture that you're in, whether it's Japan, Iceland, Africa, wherever you are in the world by their food. And it's so simple as that, you know? And from there you build the language, the people, the, the, the actual place you build from there. But it all starts, I guess it all started with me for food, with yeah. food, you know? But 11th grade, I was like, I gotta do something entrepreneurial. I told myself, cooking isn't gonna be the rest of my life, being a chef isn't going to be my career. What can I do different? You know, and entrepreneur, the, the word entrepreneur, people have like this misconception of it, you know, and it, an entrepreneur could be anything. Could be somebody who has their own idea and sells their idea. Could be somebody that endorses a product, sells that product. There's so many different examples and variables that input into what it is to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So my journey as an entrepreneur started uh, with an MLM, one of those like multi-level marketing, because I was still young. I didn't know like the ins and outs of business, e-commerce, or any of those realms. Right. So you were in you were in your junior year at the at the tech school, right? Yep. Franklin Tech in Mass. Um, and that's when you it hit you then. You were like, this is too much, you know, as much as you love it. But then you just that year around that time for you is when you started to look into other aspects of things and the idea of entrepreneur kind of came to you and you ran with it from there certainly yeah. I kind of, it was like a big sit down process for me you know um, why do why the, the big ideal was why be the working you know white collar blue collar worker ant than be like the king or queen ant, you know what I mean? That mindset really heavily resonated within myself. Like, I don't want to work for somebody else's dream but my own. You know, all the hours that I put in for at, at all the jobs that I've worked throughout my life, it's like I've put so many hours into accomplishing or making sure somebody else's dream is working where it's like, where's, my, where's the time for my dream? So like that all kind of ties back into the entrepreneurial spirit that I have in the sense of like 
it, put, it won't even be my own product. It won't be my own service. But I'm making sure that everybody else knows that something like that is out there. Something that it it, it it could be attainable. You know, something I'm kind of like have in the in in the, in the books that I haven't really talked about is you know my own clothing line that I'm in in the works of starting. You know, it's gonna call it's gonna be called Gonzo Wayne. It's hitting that market between Fashion Nova and Louis Vuitton. So it's gonna be affordable for people, but it's also gonna be not affordable for people. And that I know that kind of doesn't make sense at first, but it's like, you know, Fashion Nova, it's like that bottom line luxury, you know, where everybody can afford. Louis Vuitton, not a lot of people can afford Louis Vuitton. You know, it has to, you hit like a, like anybody can save up for a Louis Vuitton bag, but not anybody can just walk into a Louis Vuitton store and buy whatever clothing mm-hmm. or whatever shoe article or what, whatever piece of fashion that they want from that specific uh, designer, you know, because typical price for one of those things is like 1500 3000 You just can't buy something like that like without a right amount of money in your bank account. So I was kind of thinking to myself, like, how do I get myself in this middle market, middle target market that nobody has tapped into yet? You know, because they have clothing lines like Fashion Nova that hit for middle income people or people that, you know, can afford to look nice without having to buy something that's really expensive. Right. So hearing about it, it sounds like you, you're kind of, you're going right that middle of the road where it's not going to break the bank, but you know it's nice because you dropped a little extra cash. A little extra cash on it. And I'll keep that sort of... When I look at your social media, I kind of get that... You know, you have um, an aesthetic going on there, which I think does kind of keep that... There's a certain like um, style to it, you know? A little bit of classiness there. And that's what I'm kind of looking yeah. for. Actually, not even kind of. That's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Fuck luxury, yeah. and I'm looking for affordability. You know, because, listen, in this world, especially with social media, it's like, fake it till you make it, right? Everybody wants to fake it till they actually make it. Well, like, that's not me. You know, I'm somebody that, you know, if I'm going to stand behind something, behind a product, behind a line, behind, you know, whatever I'm purchasing, it's got to represent me. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I'm the most wealthiest person in the world in terms of currency-wise, but I'm the wealthiest person in the world mentally wise because every day is a growing and learning experience yeah i mean i would agree bro that like authenticity that fake it till you make it it's it's not going to hold up it's going to disappear because it's made out of dust in a in a sense so you're like you think you get to that point right you're on top of the mountain you faked it you've made it but now you don't know yourself and if you had gotten to know who you really are and pursued your dream through authenticity in the first place you're that that uh thing that you've built would be made out of rock because you're true to yourself if people gravitate to that you know people love authenticity people love a story behind something versus you know when you when you fake it what, what what story do you have somebody else's so like people can't resonate with that you can't even resonate with that if you can't resonate with your own product design whatever then like nobody else is gonna be able to resonate with that, right? Because people know they can Certainly. feel it, and it's yeah. just like basic psychology there. You know, if you want to get down into a scientific side of it, you know, 
people believe what you believe or people buy what you buy because, you know, you're going to buy it. You right. know, like people buy Yeezys because it's Kanye West. There's a name behind it. There's a story behind it. You know, people, if somebody, if a different person came out with the Yeezy line, right, and it wasn't Kanye West, do you think that line would be as successful as it is? Me, personally, I don't think it would, you know, because right. there's no story behind it. There's no authenticity behind it. You know? Right, so if you put your um, Ganto wave, right? Ganto wing. It sounds bougie as hell, yeah. but Ganto wing. And I'll explain wing. to you what Ganto is. So... In Spanish, gigante means gigantic. So we just took the he out, right? And just kept it ganto and then Wayne. Wayne like Bruce Wayne. And that's also like a nickname that like my close group of friends just decided to call me because it's like you mentioned, it's like what you've seen, you know. I don't, uh, I try to dress in the style that I like to dress. And it's not super luxurious, but it's also not super streetwear. You know, it hits kind of like that middle target market or that middle target line that I'm trying to represent. So they all just came up with this weird like nickname for me called Ganto Wayne. It was like the Puerto Rican version of Bruce Wayne. No shit. So okay. so I kind of just like took that name and I was and I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. I'm like, wow, that name sounds unique. And it sounds like luxurious in in some way, shape, or form. It just sounds bougie as hell. And I was like, I gotta do something with that name. Yeah. And then clothing and designing is what came to mind with something like that. Because you know, you look at clothing lines like Alexander Wayne, Gucci, all of these different like you know weird, unique names that catches people's attention. So I wanted something that catches catch or caught somebody's attention. Absolutely, bro. So what have you um what have you got going so far? Do you have uh designs? Right now I'm in the logo designing process. Logo designing, yeah. And then I'm moving I'm trying to figure out which route I want to take with it. You know, buy the shirt printing pro um material and the machine and start my own or actually go so my plan is to move to California and find a, a designer or find some which I've already found in the short of 10 days that I was there you know find somebody who's been in the industry who understands the industry and to teach me I don't care if I have to work for them for free I don't have I don't care if like I spend five six seven eight hours of my day learning something that I want to accomplish you know Absolutely, you'd want to learn from them. The, the design and process, that industry okay. process, because somebody who's owned their own fashion line, own, uh, used to be a fashion, they know the ins and outs of that industry. Me, I'm uneducated, I'm pretty ignorant in that industry because I don't have the knowledge. You know, right. you can read everything in a book, but how do you apply it? So it's the applying process in which I want to figure out in which I want to learn it. Right, and I think, you know, if you put yourself into it, your whole story behind it, man, that's when the uh, the magic happens. You Certainly, know? man. Absolutely, Certainly. brother. So, California, like, you've been there, right? Yeah. I and actually, you love it out there. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful, man. It's like night and day between the East Coast. Yeah. And you don't realize it until you've actually been there. You know, like, the people are completely different. 
from East Coast, West Coast. East Coast, I feel like are, people are more reserved. In the West Coast, people are outgoing or very much alive in a sense. You can really tell the it like as soon as you are in the main population, like in a main street, downtown, midtown, uptown, you'd understand right right away, like, wow, this is not like the East Coast. Yeah. And that energy that the West Coast brings to somebody in particular like myself, it kinda lit the fire inside of me that in a in one point was diminishing. You know, and it was a big self-reflection process for myself. What was going on? Well, you know, I was here in Greenfield, Mass, not really knowing which direction I wanted to take or how many different directions I wanted to go. You didn't realize that the world is, you know... I've, I've heard it said that some people... Life is the thing that passes a lot of people by while they're making plans for it. I, that, I, that's 100% true. Yeah. Because you're so focused in what you want to make happen or accomplish where time is continuously passing by. People are doing things. People are getting married. They're having kids. And you're yeah, still stuck are. in your room trying to fit, like, master what you want to master to bring it to life. Oh, yeah, man. I've been there. Like, if only, you know, X, Y, and Z, then I'd have the podcast. Then it would be this. Then it would be that. And then, like, I have that day where it's just like, you gotta fucking do it. Do something. You gotta yeah. fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like, 90% of everything is doing it the 10 percent of it is the thought process like okay i'm thinking of this design per se in fashion or i'm thinking of traveling to this place to learn about their culture or it's all about doing it you know how many times like i've heard my friends or people that um you know, hit me up on Instagram, like, hey, Rob says, how do you do this? And then I'll explain it to them, and then I'll give them a nice, like, clear plan, uh, plan of how to um, accomplish everything or uh, a nice step-by-step -step way of doing things, and there's You no almost progress. feel like a dumbass afterwards for, like, putting the time in to, like, explain it. Dude, I've been there myself, like, it's a lot ridiculous. of people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, Okay, I'm, I'm a person who values time. I value your time as much as I would value my time. Obviously, yeah. why I'm here, you know? Right, but, likewise. you know, people feed on... People are more energy takers than energy givers. And, you know, you find those people that have that energy that are willing to give back. But a lot of people take more of that energy. So, more so recently, I've kind of secluded myself from a lot of people and it's nothing against them it's nothing to, it's not that I don't want to hang out with them it's not that you know I don't care about them or anything of those variables it's more or less of like you know you guys need to do you well I figure me I need to do me because at the end of the day I'm the only one who's going to make myself succeed right and people you care about you want them to do the same thing it for can themselves. be hard to watch them not doing it though and that can be distracting from doing it for yourself exactly yeah you know and it goes back down to those energy takers and energy givers you know why 
waste your time going to the next party, going to the next friend gathering. If There's going to be a thousand more friend gatherings. There's going to be a thousand more parties. Whether it's a high school party, a college party, or an adult party, there, th- that has you know the opportunity to present itself thousands upon thousands right. upon thousands many times. But there's no clothing line, there's no podcast, there's no nothing if you don't go home and do and it. And put in the work yourself. Right. You know? So... Honestly, like me secluding myself from my friends, it's affected me as probably it's affected them in the sense like, you know, because everybody comes up with their own assumptions in their head. And you're a giver too. I can, you know, a giver of energy in a big way. Like when I'm like, hey, Roms, I'm thinking about taking this. You remember I hit you up and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to Colorado. And you're you're telling me, you know, like I was just expecting, you know, like a... You know, nice, oh, this is, yeah, hey, that's sick, man. You know, you could stay here. I like to hear it. But you're like, no, I'm going to do some research for you. And like, you know, because you want to help. Like, I can tell that about you. I so just that- want to give to people what I've already taken from this planet. Yeah. Whether it's an experience, a service, it doesn't matter. You know, if I could do anything to help somebody out, I'm more, I'm, I'm more than likely going to do it. Right. I'm not looking for anything from that person. As long as they have a smile on their face and they enjoyed their trip or whatever it is, that's that's fine with me. Yeah. You know? Um, it gets crazy. It gets crazy, man. Like, the, the DMs, and I, I'm not Mr. Popular or anything, but the DMs, I'm like, dude, how do you do this travel thing? How do you go here? How, like, it's it's fun to explain to people how I do it. Even though I keep some secrets, you know, everybody has to keep their secrets, but, you know, no matter how many people you explain to, to on how you do things, it's up to them to actually go out and do it. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the biggest obstacle, um, in, in traveling per se, or any, or doing anything is like getting your passport. That's the first objection that I always get when I explain like, Hey, do you have your passport? Uh, I was planning on getting it. Okay, well, let's set up a date for you to get your passport. Right. And the date keeps getting prolonged and prolonged. But you can spend you can spend a hundred and seventy five or one hundred and fifty or two hundred. It's like one of those three numbers that the passport costs. You can spend that on an ounce of weed, but you can't like spend that same amount of money on a passport that's going to last you for five, ten years, however the expiration date on a passport is, but you can, but you have time to buy that ounce of weed. Right, right. So then, you know, they come back. So, Ram says, I'm thinking of taking a trip to Amsterdam. My little, this is one. This one's a recent one. My little cousin actually. He's like, "Hey man, I'm thinking of taking a trip to Amsterdam, but it's super expensive." I was like, "Wait, before we even like get into diving of looking for trips and stuff, do you have your passport?" Uh, uh I'm planning on getting it. Right. Well, let's start with that first. Once you get your passport, then we'll go forward with trips to wherever you want. You know, and. My, one of my biggest secrets in finding the right trip or finding the right place to be is, you know, when are there off seasons and when are the on seasons? You don't want to go to a country or a different place when there's an influx of people going. 
Right, your trip to Thailand. Um, that brings us back to where we were in your story. So you leave high school and you know that you're not going to do what you had gone there to learn about. What did? What kind of action did you have to take to make the story that you're about to tell happen? It started off with my first year of college and getting into a business program and learning the different many avenues that any business program can lead you towards. Fast forward my 21st birthday, I told myself that I wanted to do something special for my birthday. Um, in between that college year and my 21st birthday, I had found these bloggers um, traveling. And I always thought, oh, this could be interesting to do. And then it was like, when I landed on this one video, it was a 20 minute video on a lifestyle video from this guy. And he starts off with the video, hey, you know, as a responsible person, you could take the student loans and pay them back, or you can do what I did with my girlfriend and go on a world trip. And I took my girlfriend to Thailand. After those first two minutes, I was like, I'm already in. What, what the hell is going to happen? This video looks sick. So for the next 18 minutes, it's just this guy and his girlfriend really just captivating the audience with the many different things like going to the islands in Thailand, riding on an elephant, um, trying all these different street foods. And I was like, wow, how can I make this happen? So now we're at my 21st birthday. It's getting, it's crazy, it's lit, whatever. And I, I told myself, I really want to do something special for myself. So I started diving. I was like, how much does it, what's a plane ticket to Thailand? So my birthday's in February 28th. Between February and April is an off-season of Thailand. That's a little secret for you guys. Um, so everything's super cheap. A plane ticket round trip for roughly 21 days was like $300. It's a 19-hour flight, but that 19-hour flight is totally worth it, especially when you get to your destination. So I had a good chunk of change in my bank account. I was like, well, $300 to go halfway across the world or pay $600 to go to California. Right. Or spend it on an ounce of weed. Or and spend it on an ounce of weed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a big chance here. I'm going to take a big risk. Um, you know, I obviously don't know Thai. Uh, I can't speak their language. But I'm just going to go to Thailand. Why the hell not? This is my birthday gift for myself. I do as much research as possible. I'm looking at different videos on food out there, where to go, what to avoid. Because, you know, no matter where you are in the world, there's a lot of things that you want to avoid. And then there's things that you want to do. Like big, huge tourist straps. You know, I remember this one time when I was in China. But that's a different story. Yeah, you know? There, yeah. <laughs> but... I get to Thailand, man, and I'm just like completely amazed as to the world is bigger than what you grow up in, you know, because everybody has their own world living inside of a world, right? You have the globe yeah. and then you have your own world that you're going throughout your daily things. So to be out of my own world and into this foreign land that I've never been, don't know the language, don't know the culture... I put myself up to the test in almost a survival sense. And you're alone, right? I'm completely alone, right? 21-year-old Ramses, completely alone in Thailand. What the hell is he doing? 
And I remember I had no hotel um, reservations booked. I get there at like 3 in the morning. Phone's on like 25%. I'm going, what the hell do I do? I have have my bags with me in the middle of Thailand. The first thing I got was some fried chicken. Yeah. Thai street food, banging at like 3 in the morning. And then I got some pad thai. After that was, all right, now it's time to find what home base is going to be like for the next couple of days. So you had only, you just bought your ticket there, your ticket back, nothing booked, no nothing sort of... Nothing booked, man. You're just going to be like, all right, I hope they speak English at the counter and try to get a room. If not, Google uh, Google Translate was going to be my oh, best yeah, friend. Yeah. So, nothing booked. I'm, I'm against the odds here. I'm in a foreign place. All I know is I have $1,500 with me. And then whatever was in my bank account. What am I going to do? So I started researching the best rates out there. Got a four-star hotel for some stupid cheap money. And called Bangkok, my home for like three days, roughly, before I went up north to Chiang Mai, which is like the second largest city in Thailand. And Bangkok, I would explain like the, an Asian version of New York. Yeah. Like a straight up, just like Southeast Asian version of New York. I think most of us know it from uh, The Hangover 2 or 3. Or one of those, one right? Of them, yeah. Like, yeah. With yeah. that crazy guy. Um, he's a comedian. <laughs> what is his name? Mr. Chow or whatever. That's, that's, that's he's his character, yeah, yeah. So the main difference is like, you know, there's a lot of street vendors. There's red light districts. District, um, uh, this pr- place called Kalsan Road, which is just like tourist heavy, and then there's giant monitor lizards in parks. Okay, so that's like the big difference between that and New York. Yeah, you know, obviously the culture, right. but instead of finding rats, you find giant monitor lizards. All right. So I'm in Thailand. First night there, I go. I somehow end up in a red light district. Not you're just that I was walking looking, around, just, just walking of... around, following the street vendors. You know uh, where I was. Right by there's like an open market, and then on top of that, you just walk around the city and you follow the food. Well, my unexperienced ass somehow ended up where there's a huge bar scene, strip club, prostitutes, the whole shebang, right? And people see you. And they're like, oh, American, he has money. So I'm walking down, I'm eating, I'm like, where am I? We're like, where the hell am I right now? Because prostitutes are coming up to me. The, the big house lady who like owns the brothel, she's the first one to come up to. And she's like, mama hungry. The girls aren't working hard tonight. Right, and then I'm like, um, well, if you're hungry, I'm like my stupid ass, if I, if you're hungry, I can buy you some something. Oh, straight cat right. dog. Yeah. So, freaking. Next thing you know, I feel somebody kiss me on the neck. I'm like, what the fuck? So I turn around and it's this prostitute, like trying to like sell herself to me. And for me, I'm not that guy. All right. right, like you know, when in Rome, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. For Ramses, it's like that wasn't happening. So I was like, sorry, like I'm not interested in you know having sex or paying for sex. You know what I mean? But, but I'll, did the but kiss I'll buy you some food. <laughs> I'll buy you some food. 
Um, and, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on in, in, in Thailand. So, you know, you never know where you might find yourself in that situation where you're getting kissed in the back of the head by a prostitute and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so as that night continued, you know, you the things just get more intense and intense and intense because the or because the women out there it's a sad story in a sense you know they get taken by as young girls and they and they get conditioned to live that life of prostitution you know and and they're doing things like you know shooting ping pong balls out of I don't you you can just use your imagination of where they can shoot a ping pong ball you know and it and it's not like I was looking for that or I was paying for anything like that. It just so happens that you can just walk into it and holy shit, this on the, is on the happening. street. Do you have to go in somewhere? Or you like, can go in a regular bar, man. And, and they've like, just got a girl. And they there. got girls doing just like some crazy things that people really just pay for. It's, it's you get a little card, you get a little option, like you got to check mark what you want to see and then you give it back. And mind you, this. This whole process got explained to me after I'm like witnessing what I just saw. I'm like, this is the most craziest place, and this is day one. This is the most craziest place I've ever been to. So I meet these two American girls. Well, actually, one's American, the other one's Australian. And how I met them was uh, we saw this old lady kind of like begging for money, but she was very shameful of herself. Begging for money. I don't know if it was drug addiction, homelessness. There's so many things that can lead into, you know, somebody begging for money. Right. And it was the most touching thing because, you know, these women that obviously had more than this old lady picked her head up and like, listen, you don't got to, like, obviously the old lady didn't know anything that the woman was saying. But in the sense of I knew what she was saying. I knew the message that she was trying to get through to this poor old lady. It's like, you don't got to bow your head in shame right. because you don't have enough even to feed yourself. And even though there's a language barrier, I'm sure she could recognize the kindness. Because body language speaks yeah. more than a thousand words. So, that was like how I introduced myself. I was like, that was the most thoughtful thing I've ever seen an American do in a foreign country. You know, because having a Puerto Rican background for the first, like, 10 years of my life here, you either had people that weren't racist or had people that were racist. You know what I mean? So that was, like, kind of my first introduction into, like, wow, like, there's people out there that actually care, you know? So from that point on, we just had a wild night. We a wild, wild night. We met these street performers. They got us some Thai weed. Like, this is brick shit, bro. I'm talking about, think about worse than mids, right? Oh, For no. like 30 bucks, half ounce, ounce of some brick weed. And they sold this shit in like bubblegum. Uh, you know the tinfoil that they wrap pieces of bubblegum, like sticks of bubblegum or yeah, regular yeah. gum? With a little paper on it. Yeah, yeah, that's how the weed came. I was like, what the fuck is oh, that? No. This is not America. No, All right. dude, we take that seriously. <laughs> Brick weed, we're smoking, we're chilling, and we have the biggest ha hangover. So they were on the other side of Bangkok, which was like an hour ride to taxi. First, it was a 30-minute tuk-tuk ride, then an hour ride to where they at. So I was like, you girls can just stay in my hotel room with me. 
Nothing point. happened. Nothing crazy. Oh, okay. I, I wish I could be like, we had a threesome and fuck. It was crazy. But no, nothing happened. You know, I was like really respectful. It's a lot to take in too. A lot yeah. to take in for my first night there. Right. Because mind you, I was there from three in the morning. So three in the morning is when I got to Thailand. Eight, like spent a little time exploring. Five in the morning, six in the morning is when I got to like a hotel. To be like, this is gonna be home base. So from three in the morning, with jet lag, with a bunch of time different changes, I was up to like three in the morning in Thai time. Yeah, that's spun my head around. Bro, I was beat. I was beat, and not once did we like go to sleep. The Australian chick, she fell asleep, but me and I think her name was Jacqueline. Um, Jacqueline Tenatori, I believe is her name. We stayed up the whole night just talking. Talking about marriage, talking about traveling, talk about, talking about why they're there, why I'm there. And it was, it was just a whole amazing experience. So, mind you, it's six in the morning. We're still up. Her friend is like pass out drunk, fucked up. And we're like, we gotta get to the Golden Palace in, a, in about two hours. None of us can function right now. What's the, what's the Golden Palace? Man? So like the Golden Palace uh, the, is, I believe, where the, the, the giant Buddha is. So there's like a 60 foot, 80 foot reclining Buddha in Thailand it's one of the most incredible and just like mind-blowing things that somebody could ever see this giant golden statue of a Rakhinan Buddha like like he was just like laying on the floor is in this temple in this palace in Thailand so this is where all the big tourist attractions are in this part of Thailand. You get to see like the Emperor's Palace. You get to see the reclining Buddha, the, the Emerald Temple, all of these little things in, in Bangkok. So from not sleeping still to waking up her friend to go into their hotel so they can get ready. Mind you, we're on Hangover 1000 right now. Yeah. We get to the tourist area and it's hot as hell in Bangkok to the right Golden now. Temple you yeah. make it okay. we make it just because you wanted to go you wanted to yeah we wanted to see the attractions we wanted to do the typical tourist thing for the yeah. day you know and I don't even think we made it halfway through I, 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 I think we stopped at the reclining Buddha and we're like alright we're gonna we're gonna like part ways I'm going back to, I'm gonna go back to my hotel to grab some rest Girls, you do what you want to do. And we parted ways. I got some good rest. And it's nighttime. And in Bangkok, where you want to go or where you want to go to as a tourist and during the nighttime is this place called Khao San Roy. Bro, unreal. It is unbelievable. What you see, the culture, the, 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 it's a big culture shock. You got people walking around the street with bu fried bugs. You got people just chilling, drinking, partying. You got people shopping. Whatever you want to do, you do it in Kyle Center Road. And it, right. it's a, an amazing time over there. Totally recommend 
going there for your first night because you really get to experience what everybody else has already experienced and you meet a lot of cool different people from all around the world so we jumped from Bangkok now we're in Chiang Mai so this is more jungle right um, I found this Airbnb in uh, for Chiang Mai it was actually an hour to uh, hour roughly an hour and a half away from Chiang Mai now what really got me to purchase this Airbnb is not only is it a sanctuary for elephants, but it's one of those sanctuaries that they don't cause their elephants or their animals harm. It's very humane and they take good care of everybody who works in that sanctuary. But not only that, this one was what, what really stuck out to me is that a percentage of every room that's bought at their Airbnb or at their sanctuary, they use that to save young girls from being sex trafficked, provides them an education, and it gives them a warm bed and some food for them to survive. And so that's important. Where, that yeah. was really touching to me. Like, to know that my money is being used for something that's positive there. And you get to meet the girls, the girls that were either saved while they were in there or the girls that were about to be sold. Because in Thailand, you know, a female is very valuable. And if you go to these remote villages that, you know, are in some place like Chiang Mai or at the border between Thailand and the surrounding countries, you know, you see that a lot of that stuff happens. A lot of girls get sold for money so the family can survive. It's very sad. It's very tragic. So you get to meeting those girls and seeing how happy they are, given a second chance of life without having to do something like sex, being stuck in the sex train. That was really powerful to me. And you get to the you get to the Airbnb. They give you a coconut. After you're drunk, done drinking the coconut, the first thing you do is go feed it to an elephant. That's amazing, man. It's yeah surreal and you won't believe this but they smell like cows the weirdest thing I know but that was the first thing that, that I was sense. like yeah. really what that like an elephant smells like a cow alright that's the first animal I can relate to this you know so I spent a majority of my time in this little village in Chiang Mai it's called Chai Lai Orchids I helped the people set up a wedding over there so the woman is from New York, and then her husband, obviously, is Thai. Um, after I found that out, me and her just talked, developed a relationship. She, I was like, hey, so what's your schedule looking like this week? Well, I got to set up for this wedding. I got to um, set up these bookings. There were so many things on our list. I was like, well, if you need any help, let me know. I'm going to be here for the next week and a half. I'm pretty much free. I'm on vacation. So that kind of let one thing led to another. I was from helping out. The, the the woman with her with the wedding I became really good friends with the elephant trainers and the villagers where they invited me over to dinner I ended up buying like the, the chicken that we had to cause it's all live out there you have to like kill the chicken you have to buy the fresh herbs the, the fresh vegetable everything is fresh nothing is like America where yeah. they, they don't there's no such thing as packaging over there you know what I mean? You get your things fresh from the markets and you kill it yourself if they don't kill it for you. So mind you, 
first traveler, never have killed an animal in my life, just bought like a feast for these guys, and they're like, you gotta kill the chicken. You cut its head off? I was like, what the fuck? Kill a chicken, man? What the hell was that? I was like, I'm not doing that. They're like, yeah, no, you gotta. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, so this is like the initiation to be one of them. You know, because when you go to travel, the biggest thing is not being who you are in your country in, some, in a different country. So I always tell people, you know, when you go to a different country, you're not there to be an American. You're there to be and immersify yourself in that culture, right? Because that's what you gain. You gain more out of that than being an American in a different country. What's the point? You should have just stayed in America if you wanted the McDonald's. You got to expand your palate. You got to expand your experience because you won't. You don't get anything out of it if you're just. Oh, I'm here. Where's the next KFC? You know what I mean. Dude, we want to do some traveling. Um, my girlfriend and I, Maya, it was her birthday the other day, and uh, she kind of grew up with a little bit more um, variety and like eating. You know, her mom's into different stuff, but we went and got Indian food. And uh, I'm not a curry guy, you know, but like I, I made myself like, you know, it sounds like the most American thing ever. Like, oh, I don't even like curry, you know, but like, but I did it, you know, and it's like on a smaller scale, but like, you know, it's that same sort of idea, right? Like, keep the mind open. Just embrace it for what it is. And you man. never know, man. You, never you might know. find yourself in India. And all it takes uh, is that one yeah. bite of that food, and boom, you're you're in a different country now. Exactly. You know, and I'm not talking about physically, but figuratively, you are. You know, because they're bringing that country to you in the base of a food, not an experience. It could be an experience with the whole atmosphere and everything, which always kind of brings me back to that example that I use as food is one of the biggest things that bring out a culture or that explain a culture because there was thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of this cooking done, mastered and given to people, shown to people you know so Thailand was an experience, you know, like all in all, you know, from the islands, which is, I'll probably leave that part out because what happens in the islands stays in the oh, islands. I'd love to hear any, <laughs> got, got a couple questions, but I'm interested Shoot. in that one too. So any, what goes down on, just can you give us an idea of what goes down on the islands? Well, or you, we know? the first thing you got to look up whenever you're going down in the islands is, uh, I believe that it's called the full moon party or the new moon party. So it's like the party right before the moon goes into total darkness and then the party before the moon becomes a full moon. So everybody keep that in mind if you're headed to Southeast Asia. I've actually heard of that, but a um, couple questions. You killed the chicken. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You killed That it. happened. <laughs> <laughs> that did happen. That did happen. All right. And you said earlier you made your way to China. What happened there? China was on the way back from Thailand. Okay. Um, so I had a layover. It was a day and a half layover in China. It sounded like something eventful, like a hell certain yeah. memory from China. All, oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was actually back on that scam stuff that I was okay. talking about, like that tourist scam. So I was on the Great Wall of China, at least part of the Great Wall of China. Um, that was the first thing that I ended up doing in China. I was like, what can I do in a day and a half in China that's going to be worthwhile? 
Um, so I got scammed by a driver. I was like, oh, how much to do all of this? And he's like, oh, you paid me 300, um, I think it's yen or uh, whatever the Chinese currency is, and I'll take you to all these places. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, I got I got took into as much as we could, but like with all the time frames and all the time differences and in, in, in terms of like some things are open, some things are closed, I didn't really get to see much of China as much as I wanted to. I definitely saw some really cool things, um, but I definitely could have used that day and a half that I had there more wisely. Um, so it was the Great Wall of China. I meet this beautiful, beautiful Italian girl named Roberta. Um, she was walking by herself. She was a flight attendant. And I was taking pictures. I was like, hey, do you mind if I just take a couple pictures of you? First, she was like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe you can take a couple of pictures. I was like, um, this is my first traveling experience. Um, I, this is my, I'm just on the way over here. And I don't know, it, you'd really look good for this picture. Do you mind if I just take it? She's like, yeah, whatever, let's do it uninterested like totally uninterested and so we did a couple posing pictures uh, one of them is actually on her Instagram which I was like oh cool we made it on the gram um, and we just, just started sparking up conversation and from there on before I know it we're walking like 20 minutes on the Great Wall just back and forth energies vibe and I was like I'm the interest grew bro I was like I'm marrying this girl I was this right. girl was just incredibly beautiful and I was like well how long are you in China for she's like I'm leaving tomorrow well me too maybe we can meet up type situation just you know experience China together as a unit in a sense I don't know you you don't know me Let's just make a cool experience out of it. I already got the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make a cool experience. So, unfortunately, through timing, we weren't able to meet up. But we stayed in contact from that. So, we're both going down this little uh, mountain coaster that they have on the Great Wall. So, you go up there through um, a levee system, pulley system, you know, similar to going up there uh, like, like a skiing skiing like, yeah. yeah one of those skiing things what do you call those um, I can't remember yeah like when you're in deep conversation things as small as that you can't even remember a ski lift ski, ski there, lift there yeah. you go yeah. alright so they bring you up on a ski lift to the top of the great wall and then you have the option of going back down using the same ski lift or going back down using this like mountain coaster thing where it's like it's a little platform and all you have is a handle where it's like go and break. That's it. There's no stop. It's just go and break. And you just stand on it. You're high up. No, no, you actually like... sit on it. Okay. Yeah. So you sit on it, kind of like almost crisscross applesauce, or just like your feet out straight, and you hold on to this brake stick handle shift thing okay. for dear life. And staying alive is on you. Staying alive is on you, bro. Okay, yeah. Like, you can go really fast or you can be a moderate person. <laughs> well, I'm like zipping down this thing. The guy's like, slow down. Don't know what he's saying. <laughs> it's in Mandarin. It's like Six Flags when they start their ride. You don't know. They're like, they tell you what to do, yeah. what not to do. And they're like, have a good time. All I heard was have a good time. 
So I'm zipping down this mountain coaster, almost hit the person in front of me, whatever, get off the ride, exhilarated, and I see these two guys dressed in old Shaolin um, attire, and then as well as old Imperial attire. And they give me their sword. It's a real broad sword. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm swinging it around. Like, picture, picture. And this group of 20 people and Roberta are looking at me like, ah, he's a a newbie at this. So we take a picture with these guys. And then I, I give them back their sword. And I'm about to walk away with Roberta. And they grab me by my shirt. I'm like... You got two two guys on. I you? got two guys on me, and one of them has my shirt. Grabs grabbed me by my shirt. I'm like, uh, what? Money, money. You pay money. I'm like, what do you mean I pay money? Like, um, you pay money. Five yen, ten yen, twenty yen. They're like throwing like rent, like just numbers of like. Every time they threw out a number, it just got went up, up, and up. I'm like, why do I got to throw you money? Why do I got to give me money? Oh, you took picture. You give us money. I'm like, um, no, here's $2 in, in Chinese, and I'm out. See you later. That's it. You know, and this group of people on Roberta just dying laughing because they're like, this newbie just got hit with one of the simplest and biggest tourist traps that these people always get people with and you fell for it. Thank God I didn't give them enough money because I'm a smart dude. But it was like, here's two dollars. That's all you're getting from me. See you later. This was when me and Roberta like meet uh, like part ways. Unfortunately, that was that one. Yeah, that was a heartbreak. That was a heartbreak right there. Um, she had to go back to her place that she was staying out in Beijing, and then I just had to continue exploring the city. So, fast forward thirty minutes of driving, we're in Beijing, the heart of Beijing. Big courtyard, food vendors everywhere. It, it the temperatures are starting to drop low because I'm in March. It's March. So it's like super, super hot, warm during the day, very cool, cold at night. And I'm telling you, man, the things that you see in terms of food and what everybody's doing in a different country is always amazing. And it doesn't matter which country you're in. It's freaking sick. Like this, I remember vividly this Chinese boy walking down with this hunk of meat. It's just like feasting on it so I run up to him I told him to turn around I got my piece of hunk of meat and we just like have this selfie together we're like taking a fat bite of like I don't even know what the hell it was and in China I was just like I'm just gonna guess here and if it tastes good it tastes good if it doesn't well shame on me you know it kind of goes down to that fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me well at this point I had fooled myself so many times with trying out all these different things where I was like shame on me if anything turned out to be nasty oh man so that night it just was a whole little tour of Beijing or Beijing trying out different foods different places and meeting up in with different strangers and it's either they knew English or they didn't. And it didn't matter if they didn't know English at all. Because the body language that I was 
giving them. It was like, this guy, he's really energetic. He likes to be here. He's a good time. I'm going to do whatever I can do to keep that energy going. And with every person I interacted with, whether they had a knowledge or a comprehension of English or not, it was just beautiful. In the sense of like, we didn't even have to speak words. We just provided action with our bodies. And that just led to more and more and more and more fun experiences that I can't even begin to explain, man. China, just for the day and a half, I'm going back type situation, you know? For sure, bro. Man, I <clears throat> the traveling thing, man, it's gonna, it'll happen, you know? Like, I'm speaking things into existence right now, working on it, just like, you know, I want to feel some of that. I want that, that energy, that experience. That other experience. Like you said, you know, you said earlier, we live in a world within the world, you know? It's, Certainly. It sounds like an important, beautiful thing to just be able to the experience you know because that's what that's what life is made you know it's so you know I've said it in in my writing before but I think of life like a raindrop you know and once it starts falling like it's gonna hit the ground it's never going no, back it's up it's never so going back up unless you have anticipation or, precipitation but yeah who, like uh, yeah evaporation or evaporation yeah, you know needless yeah. to say but like honestly what got me besides that Thailand video was like you know, my one of my mentors, who was also a professor of mine, he was like, Ram says, don't feel the need to have to finish college right away. I didn't do that. And look what I am. You know, I'm, he's like the, what, one of the highest positions in the Navy Coast Guard. He was the head person of the business department at GCC. Shout out Tom Simmons. Um... And, you know, he was this guy who came from nothing and built something huge. You know, he was running for state congressman at one point. So, through all of those accomplishments that this guy has achieved, and for him to tell me something as simple as, don't feel like, don't feel rushed to finish college. Go out there and live life experiences. Travel, do this, do this, fail, 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 fail. Because... With all the failing that you'll be, you're gonna be doing, and that you are are doing, you're gonna learn from it, and you're gonna take those fails and turn them into something successful. Lessons, all these lessons, man, all these experience, and it's really brought me to who I am today. You know, besides the clothing line, you know, something I want to start is a travel blog. Something I want to do is travel consulting. I want to help people who think or have this misconception that tr- going across the world is going to be some big expensive trip that they don't that they can't afford and tell them like hey don't worry about it you can afford it it's bro. about the decisions that we make exactly. certainly yeah. you know everybody is afraid to make that leap why because financial restrictions life restrictions so many different variables that tie into making that one leap cuz why a lot of people are afraid of the unknown. Do you think if you think if I wasn't afraid enough to go to you think if I was afraid to go to Thailand that my travel journey would have started three years ago, two years ago, five years ago? In fact, it probably would start now or maybe later in my life when I finally 
either got the cojones to, to actually do something like that. You know, because you're almost setting yourself against the odds. There's some people who are just going to travel and look at it as a vacation and be like, I'm just here to be an American and experience something different. And then you have people like myself who want to immersify themselves in that culture. Right, the connection. And make the connection. Like when you offered to help those people for, for the experience. You, the, the experience. Huge ex- experience. And you learn a lot about yourself and you really get to appreciate the, what you don't have. Because you just don't have Thailand right next to you. You don't have those beautiful islands right next to you. You don't have the Great Wall right next to you, right? You have to go see it. You appreciate more the things that you don't have available to you than the things that you have available to you. If you catch my drift there. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Um, And just I wanted, you know, even if somebody, even, you know, if you started that... I just really, in a nutshell, want to relate to the audience that even if it is later than what you planned on, it's never too late to start to never. change life. To you know, if I was, if this was a few years down the road where I was starting the podcast, hey man, or you decided to travel later on, that's okay. You know, I think a lot of people, and like what the guy said to you, your professor, when it's, um, you know, it's okay not to finish college right now. It is okay. It's the pressure when you start getting in your own head about it and, you know, beating yourself up for why am I not doing this? That's when life passes you by. You take the pressure off. If I go into these these episodes for the podcast and I'm thinking about, oh man, if this doesn't go well, you manifest that right away. That's why I have 1111 on my chest because it's, you know, you think of, it's not this mystical thing where, you know, you put, well, it is in a sense, but it's also very simple in the sense that, you know, it means to me like, yes, you can wish on things, but what you think about is what's going to happen in front of you. Right. The eyeball is like a projector and the the projector like a camera shining on a canvas. So your thoughts are going to present right in front of you. Your life's a movie, man. You're the main yeah. character. You're writing it. You're, you're the actor. You're writing the script the as director, you're going. Yeah. You're directing it. So which, when you think of a... When you think negative or negatively, that's when your movie starts becoming like a thriller or a horror, right? But when you start thinking positive, like that's when you your movie becomes like whatever it wants it to be. Because, like you just said, thoughts become existence. If you're thinking, it's gonna happen. It might not happen today, tomorrow, a month, a year from now. But if you're strongly willed in, into what your desire is, it's going to happen. But you, people tend to forget that there's work that comes with that desire, Yeah. right? Because, you know, Dale Carnegie didn't become a millionaire or the Rockefellers didn't become a millionaire without the work and hard work that their ancestors put in, you know? Every desire comes with work, whether it's physical, mental. You got to put in that nine to five, stay in the trenches and just grind hard. Because yeah. nothing just gets handed to you. Obviously, if you had, if you had money, if you were born into money, that's a different story. But come on, yeah, let's talk about it. Not many people are born into huge lots. Not large many people. Sums. And even you know, it's not me, it's not you, but the the kid who does have that, the person who does have that. Like, um, even if you're, I mean, I guess they could. But say your billionaire father's like, here's all this, here's a startup. You could still just sit in your room and do whatever and fuck off and fuck off and you're and not do it you know 
daddy's probably not going to come and put it all together for you. You know, I might give you the butt. Anyway, bro, it's exactly, it takes that work. It's like the thoughts are like having the, the light plugged into the wall, but the action is actually turning it on and having it shine. So it goes back to what I was saying on that 90%, 10% thing, right? Because we're always thinking of 100% is that number that we want to get to, right? So 10% is a thought process, right? Because you could spend all day just thinking about it. You're only using 10% though. 90% is actually doing it, right? Yeah. So when I started off with this whole traveling thing, right? One of the biggest things was thinking about it. I thought more than I did, right? And then I just started doing. So it leads me to the Christmas present that I let, that I gave my mom. My mom's biggest dream was to go to Egypt and see the pyramids of Giza. She didn't know this, but I surprised her with that dream for her Christmas present. I don't know how the hell I'm going to top this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, right. But... I was like, I want my mom. I want my mom's dream to come true. How am I gonna do this financially? I don't know. How am I gonna make this journey somewhere where we can not just experience Egypt, but experience other things that I want to see, or maybe that she wants to see? And there was a whole lot, and I was, there was a whole lot of thought process, right? Because you obviously need to think about something as large as before you execute something as large as that. You know, right. traveling from like one country to one country, you want to have set things set up. Yeah, you up. have to take care of the logistics. The logistics. There's yeah. always logistics behind it, but there's always like this small part that's like life. Yeah. <laughs> there's no control of it. And it's your attitude when you're dealing with the logistics of anything. You can look at it as like a stressful thing, and this part sucks. Or just be excited about, like, this is part of the experience, you know, is researching and figuring it out. And maybe. diving into the unknown. Yeah. So I didn't know that I was going to be in Greece with my mom. I didn't know that I was going to go to Thailand after. I didn't even know that Spain was going to be the first country that I, that I was going to bring my mom to before even Egypt. It all just kind of came into fruition. How can I do this in a cheaper way? How can I jump from country to country since we're already all there in an easier way for my mom, for myself? Bro, one hell of an adventure that was. You know, I think out of everything, something that really spoke out to me is watching my mom cry tears of joy, not of sadness, tears of joy when she first saw her dream come true. That's a beautiful thing, man. Something to be proud of forever. And not many people can say that they've done something like that. And not, and I'm not comparing myself to anybody. And I don't want anybody to like hear this and be like, "Oh, how how cocky or how confident does this?" That's on board over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. like how does somebody like like him like, oh, he feels all high and mighty because he could do something like that. No, but coming from my background, coming from the struggle of life that I had to or deal with. The fact that I can give my mom that, that speaks to me more than any treasure in the world, man. Yeah. I could die tomorrow happy. Why? Because I gave something to somebody that never thought that would ever come true. Because everybody's mom or parent or even themselves say, oh, I'm going to do this one day. And one day, one, and, and they keep saying, oh, I'm going to do this. Right and one day keeps going and going and going. And next thing you know, you're 65 years old and they're like, Oh, damn, I never went to Egypt. 
Yeah. Or, oh, damn, I never went to Iceland or Africa or wherever the hell you want to do. Or, damn, I never created that company. Yeah, brother. And it sounds like, you know, some things that you, you know, you referenced the early days, some shit that probably wasn't that fun to go through, but you've used that just as fuel to the fire. When a lot of those people who are 65 have used background and some of the shitty things more or less as an excuse to not make things happen. I totally agree, man. Yeah. You like... I couldn't find the best way to explain that, but you hit it right there on the nail. You know, it's fear, man. People are fear of what they don't know or what they can't be in control of. When you start to accept that, you know, you can't be in control of some things in life because it's just uncontrollable, probably you start living off better because you gather what you can be in control of and then you make it work. And just work. accept that and look at it for what you, it actually you is. It and you and you make it work. You know, you think J- Jay-Z, Nas, you think all those big rappers or Brad Pitt, you think they knew that they were going to be like high-paying celebrities? No, they didn't. In fact, they just knew that they had to put in the work, grind hard, and be in control of the things that they can be in control of at those very point of their pivotal uh, points in their careers. Right. You know? Yeah, none of it's by accident. None of it's not, it's by accident. It's by hard work and dedication. That's beautiful. And time-wise, man, just, you know, length-wise, I'm just going to hit you with the last, uh, a little closing thing out of the field, bro. So uh, we're talking about the unknown, things like that, too. Just the Blue Coyote theme that I'm going to keep going here. Um, Ghost stories. Have you had a paranormal encounter in your life? Oh, man, where do I begin? Oh, shit, me too. So, like, my grandma's a witch doctor. Okay. You know, so that's, like, old African language, speaking in tongues, things like that. I don't, like, I don't share this with many people because, like, some people don't even know, like, can't even comprehend what a witch doctor is, right? Because there's a lot of fantasy and fable tied behind that stuff. I burned Palo Santos here, so... So, okay, so you understand, like, the realm that I'm talking here. So, things get fucking crazy rather quick with shit like that, bro. Let me (laughs) me just keep it raw and uncut for you. Things get rather, like... Because you're messing with forces that, you know, Hollywood has put, like, some fantasy behind. Which, there's things out there that are real, man. Like, negative force, positive force, those things are... We're made of it, bro. Yo, we are made of it. If we're made of it, so are they. You know, they're in a different plane that we are. You know, we're on the plane of the living. They're at the plane of the dead. You know, and paranormal and spirituality has been a part of my life. For, like, for, for since I could remember. Yeah. You know, I've Me seen. Too, bro. I didn't have something to relay it to, but like, I knew, you know, and I was tapped into it. And other people, that there's things out yeah. there that people can't even simply comprehend. Right. Yeah. You Go know, ahead, man. and yeah. it goes down to the simple, like, paranormal ghosts, things like that. You know, in my household, with grandma doing like the voodoo stuff and the the witch doctor things, like. You t- that thing is real. That shit's real life, bro. I saw my grandma like be taken over by something and start speaking a language I've never heard of. And it's like an old language, bro. I'm talking about like slave language, like tongue language, like not even like the dialect that Africans speak today is spoken. 
like a forgotten. I'm talking a forgotten language. And, you know, her doing something like, you know, calling and chanting the spirits, right? Because that's what they call them, the spirits. You know, you get possessed in a way. Some possessions are negative possessions. Other possessions are good possessions, you know? But I was in Puerto Rico. I was like five years old. And I don't know what the hell my mom, my grandma, and every, all the adults in the house were you know, trying to summon, trying to conjure, whatever, trying to do. I just know my grandma's eyes rolled to the back of her head. She started speaking and dancing in tribal language and tribal dance. And there's a bottle that has been lit on fire and she's in the circle, in this circle of lit candles. Bro, I'm talking like this shit is real. And it's scary. It's fucking scary. Yeah. Like, because you don't know what what's, hap- what's, what's happening and what's going to happen. Because, you know, it's like people who play around with the Ouija board when they summon shit. You don't know what's coming out of those gates that you're opening. It could be something bad or it could be something good. Nine times out of ten, it's something bad. You know, because they feed off that energy. And I think, unfortunately, you know, this is just me going off of intuition, but so I think a lot of the spirits that linger around, they're stuck here more more so out of negativity. Certainly, because they're holding on to something or they've been wrong, they've been wronged, things like that. They don't understand they're dead. They don't understand they're dead. You know, people call it limbo, I think is is that. Purgatory, purgatory, Western words, whatever, you know, and it's like, you know. Before you reach to that good spirit that you're trying to, you know, because you're opening up a portal, essentially, right? Yeah. And the first thing that's around is going to try to infiltrate that portal. Right. So what happened in Puerto Rico? Holy fuck, man. Like, that shit was crazy. So, you know, my grandma's doing this whole, like, African tribal dance, speaking in tongues. Her eyes are at the back of her head. All you see is white type shit. Like, and... Bro, it all, I, I feel like it all happened in an instant. Like, I remember going outside, seeing that shit happen, you know, and then hearing a big And inside at the house, my mom had lit up, like, three candles. And these candles had, like, um, angels on them. Like, one was, like, um, St. Michael or the Michael, uh, the angel Michael, who's, like, you know, he represents... Um, fighting for you, um, being your sword and shield, essentially, to everything. And then there was a candle of baby Jesus, and then there was another candle of some angel that has some certain uh, representation. So that's Christianity we're talking about. And then we have my grandma doing, like, some ancient African, like, Native American style of, you know calling to the spirits bro all three of those candles exploded in in my grand in my grandma's kitchen i kid you not wax and all wax and all bro not like not like the glass broke like the grass the glass broke you have these candles that are like cut it like there's dashes into these candles like 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 it was fucking nuts bro and after that you know, there's definitely been other experiences, but I knew that shit was real at such a young age, just witnessing that. And, like, I didn't see the candles particularly explode in front of my eyes, but you hear a big, 
you walk in and there's candle glass everywhere and the wax either melted, cut in half. Wild, bro. Absolutely wild. I just kind of want to get a picture of this scene. I'm sure the audience does too. So your your grandma, the adults in the house, your mom, they're outside doing... Your grandma's in the center of, of a of the spiritual circle. Your mom has candles inside. You being, you're like five years old. You, I don't know, you leave bed or something and you see them outside doing this and you're just kind of watching and then you hear the explosion inside. It's a long time ago too for you, but Bro, that sounds about right. Very, very, very like similar as to what, instead of like being in bed though, like all three of us, my twin brother, my older brother, we were just playing video games okay yeah, and we're all like, very curious as as it was you know what I mean so to understand did, did they tell you like go do something yeah they were okay. like stay inside don't come outside the adults are doing but something but you're a kid so that's like we don't give a shit we're gonna see what the hell they're doing more interested yeah. when they say that yeah. so we can either play Crash Bandicoot or go see what's going on outside you know and dude when we all stepped out outside we were frightened uh, not as to what was going on, we were frightened more so of our grandma because we didn't, we've never seen our grandma like this. You know, like the woman is speaking a language that has been forgotten. Not many people know that language. So we, like, you can only imagine what, what had taken over her. You know, something old, something ancient, you know. And, bro, like, I think the scariest part was watching her do the chant. And then a big bang right after. And then there's these Christian-styled um, candles. They specifically get destroyed? That got destroyed, bro. That got absolutely destroyed. And to this day, I, I, I don't know what, what, what it was, why that happened, why that was collateral as to what her chanting like was. But... You know, my, my grandma's a witch doctor. She she been about that spiritual life, bro. That shit is real. That yeah. ass, man. That shit is crazy. It's real. You know, whether people want to believe it or not. It's just until an experience happens to you, because, you know, life's all about experiences, you won't know as, if it's real or not. It's like the Santa Claus story. Oh, I don't, I've never seen it. I've never experienced Santa Claus. He's not real. Until you experience that, motherfucker might be real or was real type shit. You know right. what I mean? Right. But, Bro, I don't know, man. I don't fuck around with my grandma when it comes down to that shit, man. Yeah. Like, my, she, like, it's so, like, the way she meddles into that that other world is so ancient, so old. Like, even the methods of what she did. Like, I remember um, I, I had, like, a heavy, like, um, feeling of, like, a presence around me. I was, and I went to my grandma for it. She's like, the weirdest of, hey... Take those two coconuts that the deities have. Take a penny for one and three penny for this other one. And go bury the coconut somewhere. And then ask them for what you want. And those deities we call Los Santos. So Los Santos are like old African mixture of like Taino deities right and they all represent all these things these deities called Elewa uh, Jemaya like all like just by the way I pronounce those 
is old forgotten, like African Taino language. And all of these deities represent some type of some type of thing, whether it's nature, water, earth, whatever, just like you know, any other deity in a poly um what is it, poly Polygamy, something. Pagan? You know when people believe, like the term that people believe in many gods, like each god. Poly. Amphor. Is it polyamorous? Poly, yeah. Yeah, that is. Is that the correct one? We got there, yeah. Yeah, all right. So polyamorous. So every deity represents something. And she's like, pray to this one. And Ochun. Ochun is like the river god. But he's like, he's the strong one. Like, he's also not just a river god. He's, like, the war god, essentially. It's like, pray to him and then pray to the Elewa, which is like a child. And, you know, pray for these guys. Pray for what you want to ask, and, and, and it shall happen. And this was because you were feeling... This big negative presence. It was following you around? It just felt like I was... How old is this when you were a kid? Is this in Puerto Rico? No, dude. I was like 16, something like that. Okay, yeah. Living in Greenfield at that point? Yeah, yeah. Living in Greenfield. And my grandma was living around this area. And and she's like, you know, any problem that you feel spiritual, you just go to my grandma for that shit. She's like, pray to these guys and ask them for something. But remember, when you ask for something, you also have to give something in return. You know, because nothing comes free when you're dealing with that shit. So, yeah, bro, like, I prayed to those guys. I threw the pennies in the river like I was instructed to do. And, you know, I prayed for my grandma's health. And then I also prayed for, like, my success. Something selfish and something not selfish. Counterintuitive, you could say. You know? Um, And, dude, like, before you know it, like... That I just felt that presence leave, like it wasn't yeah. there anymore. The you know the power, and for people listening, you know, you're talking about something unique, and the uh, and people, I think people get hung up on certain words sometimes. You know, when you're using the word pray, and that's um, and you know, people were conditioned in this society to kind of push that aside. You know, the religious aspect of it. Like I'm not religious, but. Regardless of the religion that's being spoken about, you know, I think you look, it can help to look at it in a way where it's the, the power of the thought, whether it's, you know, you're talking to yourself inside or um, a third a party being, yeah. being the, the result is the same because it's that power of manifestation that's happening when you, you know, you put the coconut in the ground, you do the ritual, that sense of self within ROMs is going to be grounded through doing that so just to the audience you know fuck people... man I didn't even think about like even thinking of it like that that was like whoa that just blew my mind not gonna lie because like you're right thoughts do come into existence yeah and I really never thought about like oh when I do this or if I do this if I've been instructed to this I don't know if this is like some spiritual like magic or mumble jumbo going on or is it just me at the end of the day you know, and I think I think that's an individual. That's kind of individual property. What's going on inside? You know, if if you're Buddhism or uh, an indigenous practice, you know, people, the the practice that's going on doesn't have to be 
confirmed or denied because of the labels that are being placed on it you know yeah it's the that we can all connect to that that sense of what's going on inside so you know praying or meditating it's that power of self and thought that's going to create the result which is real that just blew my mind bro it really freaking just blew my mind honestly i learned something about something as simple as that today because holy shit dude it's all about mine it's always ever been about mine you know and i think i resonated very deeply with me in the sense of like thoughts become existence as to like if you have negative thoughts negative things happen you have positive thoughts positive things happen so you know more or less like if i would have thought i I don't even think i had to do that whole coconut throwing the throw the coins in the river nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with it right because that's like an old way of thinking about things like that but honestly maybe if i back then in that point if i just like thought more of in a positive aspect of things needless to say maybe that negative energy would have left you know right right you gotta you know i think um we're all we're a soul man we're still in the body you know and uh when people something i've been thinking about lately too is you know the power of words like people will make love and then have a kid we're made of love so like we are love like in the body you know and it's that light so obviously that's positivity right love is the most positive thing on the earth so when we stray away from that internally of course the world around us is going to come crashing down because that's not what we are we're the positive we're alive you feel me yeah dude that was deep yeah that was deep as hell that was fucking deep bro wow damn you you moved me bro with the was that like for real man we are like the creation of love yeah you know, in positivity. Right. It's the things that are in this life that what taints that love, you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's right, the things that taint it, that's, that's not the truth. The truth is love, you know, no matter how bitter, you know dark a person seems, it's because, it's only because they've lost love. You know, darkness is the absence of light. You know, there's so much, and there's truth scattered throughout everything, you know? And that's what I was talking about earlier is you don't need to, push something away because it doesn't coincide with your matrix labels of oh i'm an atheist or a christian or this or that so i'm not going to listen to what they have to say it's all the same principle certainly just a different story yeah. with a different character in it it's, you know what i yeah, mean with a different face and or whatever so it's like yeah that's crazy that was crazy human beings i think that's a that's a good, good way to wrap it yeah to wrap solid it sesh right there dude fuck yeah bro. yeah that was yeah. sick man that was yeah. sick Ramza Santiago, uh, find that's your Instagram too, right? Uh, yeah, Ramza Santiago, bro. Ramza, yep. All right, brother. Well, thank you for coming on the Blue Cow. Oh, yeah, bro. Thank you for having me. That was thank fire. You, that was yeah. fire.